I followed the mandate and then followed the medical advice provided to me and continue to follow the medical, continue to have medical tests to establish what happened to me and treatments that are available. But in the meantime, I feel I'm being chased out of employment because of a vaccine injury. This is not a behaviour of a caring health service who would be interested in my medical evidence and my well-being, but a hospital who continues to lie and only cares, cares about enforcing the mandate at all costs to human life. Have you done the right thing and gotten vaccinated for the country, for the nation, for grandma? Well, most of us should have had by now, what are we, 2023? And a lot of us are discovering that the vaccines were not as safe, shall we say, as we were promised. Many of us are injured. And there seems to be, I was just saying to my friend here, Samir, a solicitor from Sydney, uh, that there seems to be more jabbed and jaded people than unvaccinated people. Uh, and so when you hear people talking about vaccine injuries or why they don't want to have the third or the fourth or the fifth, it's primarily now coming from people who are, were willing to be vaccinated against COVID-19. Today, we're talking about a case uh, that is being run for a gentleman from the Gold Coast who was exactly that. He uh, did the right thing, shall we say, and got his first dose. And uh, after that, the well, we'll go into the story some. I'll let you tell the story on why he can't have a second and why he was fired. So today is a discussion about all the legal cases that are being run against vaccine mandates, why so many are failing, and what we can expect in the future. Before we get started, the only reason we are bringing we exist and we're bringing you this content for free is because of our amazing. Uh, community of supporters at Locals. Go to discernible.locals.com. That's where I hang out and talk and respond to everyone in there in our nice little community. They fund this show with um, their support every month. We also have a way to fight the history wars. If you look at history, the victors often write history and they fight over what really happened. So we, we, don't, we don't want that. We created this USB time capsule 30 timeless conversations of what happened over the past two years in the world. Not just to do with COVID, but to do with everything around the world. Get this at Team Human Store. Samir Bunga from Bunga Legal, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Matt. Long time no see, at least in this forum. It is, and I am excited to talk to you because, there, as, I, as I just alluded to, there is a lot of legal things going on at the moment, and frankly, some of it should succeed, so, uh, a lot of it's not succeeding, but there is this sense of, I don't, well, you might be able to correct me, but frivolousness. I feel like some of the cases are silly. Some of the cases, I wonder if lawyers are taking advantage of injured or unvaxxed people who were fired. And then of course that gives the ability for the mainstream to say, oh, they're all crazy anti-vaxxer cookers, yeah. right? So can we try and get to the bottom of this today? How crazy is it all? You know, this whole thing. So I don't know where you want to start. Well, how about generally? What Are there a lot of cases against mandates going on at the moment? Look, I think it's produced now. There are some in the background. There's a lot of cases that we don't even know about. Like that Redfern, the Redfern Legal Center case, which effectively is one of the best ones I've seen actually, because that's knocked over 30 odd thousand fines and people even potentially getting their money refunded. That was brilliant. And that's in New South Wales. However, I didn't know that one existed until 
I actually heard about the effect, which is basically invalidating some of the fines. And for people that don't know, what happened in New South Wales was some police officers were issuing tickets or fines or even charges saying you have breached the New Cho South Wales Health Correct. Cho Directive, yeah. Section 789. No explanation as to why. Didn't say because you weren't wearing a mask or you were out of the area or anything like that. Oh. So that wasn't particularized. And that's a problem because if it's not particularized, what have you actually breached? So this is what got thrown out recently, all of those? Correct. So all of those have been thrown out, so a number of them have. but it's not like 50,000 fines, wasn't it? 33-odd, but I can oh. tell you there are a number of fines that have been that are unaccounted for. So what I mean is we've actually got a couple of clients now who have those same fines or same court attendance notices, and we've now submitted representation, which is basically writing to the police saying, guys, this is not particularised, you need to withdraw this, let's move on get rid of the case or get throw the charge out. We haven't heard back, but there are, I'm sure, a number of other people in the same position, in the exact same position who didn't have it thrown out. So Because they elected to go to court? Not just that, I think they've also swept under the radar. Oh, okay, so w when we read that New South Wales Police is, is what are they, um, throwing away, uh, canceling 33,000 fines, yeah. it's not all COVID fines. How are they distinguishing whether some are going to stand and go to prosecution or not? Well, if it's particularized already and it says seven, you've breached seven, section 789 of the CHO directive yep. because you didn't wear a mask between this time and they're this time, they're holding on to that, it's particularized. Oh. Some will still be thrown out because the police may not want to run it anymore or it's just not worth the time. And if you think about it, I think that would be the best for society generally, get rid of them, move on. We have enough of a backlog in our court system anyway. We struggle. We just got a new hearing date in one of our local courts in Sydney, not here, where we've had to wait for a matter that's a couple of years old. We've now got a hearing date from February to October. Wow. So it's near the end of the year. So the last thing we need is this clogging up the legal system even further. Yeah. And it's something that is petty, in my opinion. Petty, well, like $200 fine. Uh, look, some of them were 200, some of them were 500. I guess it depends where. That's petty in the scheme of society and tying up courts. And if they go to court and they get found guilty, that's a $200 mask fine. But if you get found guilty in court, uh, you should have worn your mask, is your fine. The court will impose what kind of um, fine and what kind of court fees? Would look, generally, it also, don't forget then when you've taken it to court, the penalty can be higher. They probably yeah. won't, yeah. but it can be. And you've then got, because you've breached the Public Health Act, yeah. or the, I forgot what the act is called in New South Wales yeah. right now, I've looked at it for a while, but because you've breached the act, there is an actual jail time potentially available for okay. that, which people don't tend to realise. Yeah. But because it was issued as a tin, for example, it's a bit different. Yeah. It also comes down to how it was issued. So if it was issued as an infringement, you've taken it to court, a little bit different, because then you'll say it was two or $500 yeah. fine, that's what I should have got. But if it was issued as a court attendance notice in the first place, yeah. you're then basically open to the full scheme of it or the maximum penalty. Which could be jail or whatever, which won't, uh, probably won't be. But So if, if it's an infringement notice for $200, I go to court, they say, shut up, idiot, you should have worn your mask, here's your fine. The court will probably fine me, what, $200, $300? Right. And what do court costs? $1,000, $50? No, less than that. I think it's about 165 for the victim's levy plus 85 so it must be about two, $300 for court costs as well. hundred dollars okay. So the reason why I ask these questions is because it seems to me fines are more of a deterrent than adjust these sorts of fines are more of a deterrent to control societal behavior during a lockdown or what have you, uh, as opposed to pure justice. Because what is a 200, is, is a prosecutor chasing down a $200 plus court cost fine over eight months across 10,000 cases or whatever, mm -hmm. 5,000 cases? What is the point of that at Principal. this point? Ego, principle, because then the basically the government has to say, 
whatever shit is fine, you fought it, screw you, you need to pay. I understand so the ego thing, but there's no pan, that's not like we want people to keep complying with mask mandate. That's, that's all Correct. in the past. Correct. So that's, that's a whole different question at that point. That's why I think, in my opinion anyway, it's just say an ego factor and saying, this is principle, this is what we said, you didn't do it. And the other thing is if they dismiss it or throw a bunch of them out, the problem may then be they're going to see other people not complying or they'll use yes. that as a public policy issue. Yes. So the argument from their side may be public policy. And what happens if we need to use this again? Uh, that would be it. But effectively, when you pay a fine, you're not necessarily admitting yeah. to doing it either, which is very different to being found guilty in court too. Right. So you're right about that. It is a pecuniary measure and it's not really justice, no. But it is something to deter you, stop you. That's why fines have a certain amount. And they're... When you get fined for something that's a traffic offense, whatever offense it is, they've thought about what the amount should be because they want to make it high enough that it hurts you, mm. low enough that you don't challenge it. If you got smashed with a one or $2,000 fine for speeding 10Ks over the limit, you you, you're more likely to challenge it. <gasps> Whereas if it's three, $400, you're going to look at it and go, I have to miss a day at work. That's probably two fifty, three hundred dollars $300. But if I have to miss two or three days at work, it's a thousand bucks. Do I challenge it or not? So they don't actually... Okay, I'm assuming, but they wouldn't actually want us all to challenge and end up in court, all the fines. Correct. They're, because there'd be millions of fines Correct. versus thousands of cases. That actually gets caught, right? So if you make fines too onerous, you end up with a bunch of people challenging them in court. Bingo. And this was one of the, this was the sentiment behind why certain groups and people were saying, I think a couple of lawyers even said it, to challenge every fine you have, clog up the court system, get, it to throw, get them to throw it out because it's going to stop the system. So that's not... I like that idea, but that's not justice. That's just screwing with the system. Like if we all don't pay our speeding fines on on mass, they'll just get so overwhelmed. We're basically um, bullying and forcing them to drop things. Forget justice. We're just forcing them. Goes both ways, doesn't it? On one hand, they're smashing you with fines for these things to for these things to bully you and arguably bully you, yeah. and then you're doing the same thing back. But that would require everyone doing it, and that's why a number of people, falsely, by the way, said that if you take it to court, they're going to drop it. That wasn't ever true. Yes, a number of them did get dropped. A number of them still will be dropped. And I don't think that it was the idea was the worst, although legally I'm not meant to say that go do it. Mm. And I think there should be, it was very risky for people to say. Mm. But I have to be clear that a number of people have said, if you take it to court, that's it, it'll get thrown out. There are a number of people who message me now and go, hey, Samir, can you help me? It hasn't been thrown out. So the first thing I have to say is, where'd you get that advice from? Oh, I heard on one disc group, or I heard this particular person say this, or I heard this particular person say this. I don't know why these blanket statements are made, except for the principal are trying to get people to actually challenge it. And if they get enough, they think that's going to break the system and ruin it. And you know what? It might actually work. I'm not saying it wouldn't. However, it's not automatic. And right now we have a lot of people who are challenging fines, which I think I need to be very clear with people. I don't agree with them. But legally speaking, it's very different to my ethical and moral standpoint. Virtuously, and my virtues say it was wrong, and it always has been. I think these fines are ridiculous. It should be dropped, blah, blah, blah. But legally, if you didn't wear a mask outside, people are saying, well, the laws are fake and not laws, they're mandates, they're this. That's all redundant. That argument's redundant. It doesn't work that way, not in the courts. Not unless you get rid of the courts and change the system. The system we have, it did. That's how it worked, and these people got done. Mind you, if you're having a banana or you're having a coffee and you have your mask off or you have the coffee cup in your hand or the cop says why you got it or comes up to you and shakes your coffee cup like mm. happened in Queensland, that's challengeable. 
And I've had a number of people who were given fines, even though they were eating or whatever the case may be, had a coffee in their hands. It's just they hadn't taken a sip for a couple of minutes and the cop saw it and came over and said, well, you're not obviously drinking. And one person literally had his coffee cup shaken down. <clears throat> New South Wales police doing their job. Uh, I had a go at them this week putting up, they've changed their logo to um, oh, the, the new Pride. Yeah, yeah. The new Pride flag has, has many colors. You'd be happy it has a brown, being a brown, oh, I'm about to be racist. I'm yellow, but you're brown. So it has a brown stripe in it. Do you feel included? Oh, I didn't realize it did, but I guess now I should go email the New South Wales Police or Twitter and tweet them and go, well done, thank you for including brown people all of a sudden. Where is this 10, 20 years ago? Yes, yes, we can, there's a whole other discussion. Uh, you growing up in Whitetown, Camden. Hey, before we go into your client's case and mm. specifics of that, you've just touched on some bad advice from, from yes. other legal sources. Can I ask you this broad question? What is going on with the legal fraternity at the moment when you see so many of them? I mean, there's a few of them that run these anti-mandate cases or unfair dismissal cases, and they seem to all run the same sort of cases over and over and fail over and over and over. What is going on? Are we witnessing the legal profession taking advantage of vulnerable, either unvaccinated or jabbed and jaded injured people and grabbing their case of being dismissed and saying we can run an unfair dismissal case because it bugs me that it all fails. And I recall in law school that if you run lots of cases and they keep on failing, they can the professional standards can, can say, hey, you're giving your client false hope that you what do they call them? You're taking on cases that have no merit of success. Yeah, there's no, but you've got to look at when this case was, right? So if this case was two years ago when there wasn't case law or when it was still coming up, you could keep pushing it through because you didn't know at that point. Mm. Then was there a mandate in place for everyone? So was that, a, was that a government mandate or was it a policy? That changes it too. Then one of the most recent cases we have, which has settled, so I can't go to too much. What I can say is, what about if someone worked from home for seven years prior to the COVID restrictions and lockdown. So pre that was already working from home, then just continued working from home. So altogether there was eight or nine years of working from home. Then after was told to come back. But for seven years before all this existed was working from home. Why is that not different to a standard case? But, but what happened with that case? This is one of your cases. It's settled. Yeah, no, but what happened like she was fired or he, he or she was fired or they. Then. Correct. He or she was fired because they wouldn't take a vaccine whilst... Wouldn't come, correct, and wouldn't come back to the office because then they said you have to come back to the office now, you have to come in, even That's though... why they are fired, not vaccine. They are fired because they wouldn't come back to the office. But vaccine played a part in the background as well because I'm not vaccinated. Can't come to the office if you're not vaccinated. You're correct, and the biggest part about this is this person lived nowhere near where she had to go because she was working for over seven years, so there was already status quo that she wasn't needed in the office. So all of a sudden, they basically changed the job description to say you have to come in. So how's that reasonable as well? Okay, so this client uh, sounds like this is a bit of a tricky case for the employer. I wouldn't want to muck around this. I'd want to settle as well. So your client, how much can you tell me about some? Are they happy? Did they win, so to speak? I, I think... I can tell you this, the way it was seen in the commission was originally this is exactly the same as every other case, which we disputed vigorously because it wasn't. Because all, the weakest case we have in the commission is... What some, commission, sorry? Oh, so we're talking about Fair Work Commission, okay. sorry, or even yeah. any, even the federal circuit court if you're taking it federally. Yeah. So we're talking about employment law here generally. Yeah. 
If we take a case there, we have a nurse or a doctor or a medical practitioner, there is a government mandate. They were terminated for not being vaccinated. They challenge it. You got no hope. It's automatically, it's not even the employer's fault. Government's put a mandate in, we can't do anything. Okay. So unless that mandate is gone, you're stuffed because the it's, it's up here Government. where the rules come from. Yeah. Correct. Your next, then your case that gets stronger is when there's no vax, there's no actual mandate or direction, mm. it's then a policy by that workplace. Then you have that tier system, which was introduced by Fair Work Australia, effectively saying tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four worker. If you never had to speak to anyone, never had to interact with anyone, basically your, off, your job was from home, etc. you could be in the lower tiers, then you had a bit of an argument. To say, I should not have been terminated for a vaccine. Correct, mandate. because it's not reasonable in my circumstances, blah, blah, blah. Are any of those cases succeeding? A lot of them, again, have settled. See, some of the like people yours, yeah. need to realise that the stronger cases settle. We have had some incredible results when it settles. So settled means, it, it may seem pedestrian, but help me out here. So for the people watching, settled means the employee, let's say, let's assume your client um, worked for Coles. I'm making this up. And she's working on the phone at home. You went to court, uh, went to um, the Fair, Fair Work, work Commission. Commission. Yeah. When you say settled, Fair Work, uh, the uh, Coles had said, uh, we don't want to play this game. We don't want to go to commission again will give you some money to just drop your case correct sign a deed don't talk about it don't want to hear about it no non-disparagement we'll pay you drop the case both walk away as if nothing happened but effectively what you're talking about there is the settling party who offers the settlement is admitting fault or, or or is scared of proceeding yes otherwise why would they do it but in the deed they'll say we're not admitting liability we're yes, just this yes, is yes. a without prejudice settlement behind the scenes it's What's the terms we use? It's commercially beneficial. So commercially, we could win. They'll even tell you this sometimes. We could take this to court, but it's going to cost us more than it's worth, and we just can't be bothered. So here's so two hundred grand because <laughs> we don't want to spend two hundred and fifty on lawyers. Come on. So get lost. And a number of our matters have settled mm. because they don't want to take it further. And look, often the client doesn't have money for some of the better cases too. And this mm. is the other issue we have. So going back to your question and trying to answer this fuller, there are good lawyers, there are bad lawyers. There are lawyers that are gonna take advantage, but ambulance chasing is the best example of that because that's been around for years and that's mm. not going away, it happens. But it's not just lawyers that do it. A lot of people ambulance chase, it's just lawyers seem to get that worst rap for mm. it. But there are lawyers that will look at that and go, hey, we can run this as money in it, let's do it. But that's also business too. Ethically speaking, you've got to look at it both ways. I'm not saying it's right here, so people need to see where the separation is. Isn't it illegal? Like I just raised earlier, I have a faint memory in law school where you can't take on oh, cases. If you know the case has no merit, yes. sure. But you have to know the case has no merit. If we start a civil proceeding, often we have to sign off that we believe this case has merit right. as lawyers as well. Right. So a civil matter, we can't just raise it if there's no merit Fun. whatsoever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Otherwise, we're in breach of our duties and your client's basically screwed as well. So there is that it has no merit and this is why I got to a point so like I said two years ago it's very different we had a number of inquiries this year where sometimes they'll be out of time just because hey, well, we've got no case but even if they're not this they'll give you the circumstance which is exactly the same as what you've run before so you say well, there's nothing we can do we, we just can't we're not going to be able to take your money and yeah. you'll lose it unless you just want to that person just wants to go to conciliation to see what the other side does and if they do want to settle but Otherwise, you don't. So we do have to give that advice, and we do. But that particular case that I told you was separated on that basis yes. because of those yes. reasons. So this is what we then look at. 
But yes, if a lawyer comes in, has the exact, has a doctor scenario, for example, says, let's go again, let's do it. What yes, doctor scenario? Oh, so where the doctor, there's a government mandate, doctor's terminated, doctor decides to go to the federal circuit court when there's no, when there's a government mandate, are they then basically in breach or acting unethically because there's no case? In that case, there might be an issue. Or a nurse, for example, it takes it to Fair Work Australia because she got terminated or he got terminated because they didn't get vaccinated when there's a government mandate. Okay. So that's basically tried and settled. It's been tried many, many times. But we also remember not all these judgments are necessarily published. So it takes right. a while for the published judgments to come out. Sometimes it's appeals to the full bench, Fair Work Australia or Fair Work Commission, and then you might get a judgment. Or if it's a general protections matter, it will go to the federal circuit court, then there might be a judgment. So for months to a year or even longer, we wouldn't have had those cases you'd have a sentiment when you got there basically the commission saying oh yeah this is a vaccine matter blah 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 and we got a lot of that but that doesn't automatically mean there was case law against it so now if you're going to raise it and this is what i said in a couple of videos i've done if you're terminated now in 2023 hmm. i think the case is a little bit different the commission may not yet and i don't know many people in fact anyone who's tried it but if you are terminated in 2023, especially if the policy was not enforced throughout the whole of the dangerous period, and now we're moving away from it where you can, you're basically mingling with unvaxxed people everywhere you go, is it still reasonable to have that policy? My argument would be no, it's not, based on the features of this current time, the way that people have moved and people's sentiment has moved. I guess you could say the market has moved, even not the right term, but the market's changed. Mm -hmm. So now, is it still reasonable? my opinion it's not but i haven't heard anyone actually trying to argue it so then if you look at that case law in that time from a year or two ago and look at it now there's that differentiation and i think that's a big one but logically speaking then uh as we move away from the pandemic the likelihood of such a case getting up against your employer for firing you for not getting vaccinated is more likely to succeed the further we go totally as the rest of society is all just mingling and not totally. unless there's legislation introduced like they did in victoria where they basically have given the ability for employers to choose for a bit and the pandemic is uh, arguably not over here although the rest of australia kind of is it's a bit it, that could change a little bit but there's still an argument to be made yes and how many employers are still enforcing it there are a few because i still get comments and messages from people telling yeah. me when they apply for a job coles is still, still doing it coles are still doing it from what i understand yeah but see yeah. before they employ you it's a little bit different of course they can choose to not employ yeah that's fine you can argue a general protections matter you could say it and say it's discrimination now but i don't know if you succeed and is it worth going down that path just to work at coles <laughs> right so there's your Such argument a great workplace there. Okay, so when I asked you about uh, there seems to be a lot failing at the commission or in court, I'm probably referring to people who bring cases against government mandates. Mm. And as you're saying, case laws established now, just don't bother. So now let's look at a couple of cases that have gone up. We did have problems in them. The one in New South Wales failed miserably. It went up on appeal, failed again. The one in Victoria didn't get up. It just basically, by the time it got to it, because it was December 2020, if I recall, then it got knocked to, oh, was it? no, 2021, maybe. My, I'm losing the dates now, it's been mm. some time. Then by 2022, the plaintiffs all dropped out, so they didn't really have a case, because by that point, it was March anyway. Yeah. So what was the challenge? So that didn't go anywhere. But yes, the case law or the precedent so far are not very helpful. But there's a new thing happening now, is employer mandates 
No government mandates. So in fact, Scotty from marketing and and others have come out and said, what are you talking about? We don't mandate anything. (laughs) You lying hypocrite. We don't mandate anything. It's up to workplaces. We've never mandated. And this is the danger I'd like to hear from you about from some of the, especially the small and medium businesses who are trying to do the right thing. And they've enforced vaccine mandates under a government mandate. But now that government mandate has been removed. I'm wondering if they're putting themselves at risk. Some of them may be depending on what the job is. Some of them might be. But the thing is, if you don't have, there's, a, there's two ways to look at it. The market for them, if they need employees, is it helping them? No. But putting that aside, some of them probably don't care. They still have this opinion that they need to keep it. If it's really unnecessary for your job, is it going to be challenged? Maybe. But if you don't have anyone there, you're not terminating people, you're hiring people. Mm. What's the chance that someone's actually going to lodge a general protections discrimination claim anyway? Very low. So you only be worried if you're firing people in this current climate, 2023. If you're firing people because they won't get vaccinated, you're putting yourself, you're potentially putting yourself at risk. I believe so. In my opinion, the answer is yes. Okay. I believe in that case, you are putting yourself at risk. And it does depend. I think the medical profession is a little bit separate. They've got yes, the easiest- nursing and healthcare. And all, correct. Yeah. For them, it's easy or easier, not yeah. easy. But if you look at it, aged care in certain states has changed. In Western Australia, you now have nurses going back to work and doctors yes. being called in because they're desperate. Yep. Victoria, I have heard of nurses working through agencies and some who have gone back to work unvaccinated as well in mm. certain areas. Mm. I obviously can't tell people what areas, but it is happening, just not on a wide scale. But when you still apply for these jobs on whatever your standard Victorian Health and New South Wales Health sectional side of our website would be, it's a little bit different because they may still have it, but there are ways to get in. I do know a couple of people in New South Wales that are working unvaccinated as well. So I have heard about it happening. And I think when there's a massive hole to fill and it's desperate, it's one of those desperate times called for desperate measures type of scenarios where these people are employed. But yes, on the flip side, in standard society, a mechanic, for example, which is that argument and say 2023, all of a sudden you're like, you know what, you're not vaccinated, I'm gonna terminate you. You'd have to also look at why they're terminated now. Is there a other reason mm. for it? So is it genuinely about that too? So there's another argument there. Why now when it's least dangerous? But this is why sometimes you also, on the flip side, you could have those articles coming out saying COVID's coming back to the resurgence. It's dangerous. We need to push harder. And you see some of those crappy articles coming up and how there's thousands of cases, people are dying again and all this. Mm. It's being ignored to the most part but it's not completely over in terms of certain publications still pushing it. But society seems to have moved on. It does. Most people don't want to talk about it anymore. Most people just want to pretend it didn't happen, but it's just certain people that are still being hit by it. So So when you mention uh, a lot of cases are settling, I'm only seeing the cases that obviously, because settlement, you don't, you don't hear about settlements. You don't hear about settlements. It's the confidential and blah, 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 right? And without prejudice, blah, blah, blah. All right. So, do you have any idea of of how how the quantum of that like how how many people are winning not not just at your firm but broadly how many people are winning these unfair dismissal cases against their employers for vaccine issues winning yeah. settling okay if we call if including settlements wins we have a number of them that have settled and it might not be for large large figures they might have settled for four but firstly even if you win at fair work you have a there's, there's a limitation of six months. If you win unfair dismissal case in fair work, six months pay, sorry, yeah, six months pay is the most you're gonna get, which is 36 weeks. Mm. 
you're not 20, going 26, 26 weeks, sorry, 26. 26 weeks. you're not going to that's not a hell of a lot of money you can't get higher really you're not going to get damaged and stuff like that that's the maximum on the worst case scenario six months so okay. most people get a, a lot less than that okay. correct two months three months so if you then think about it costing going through that hearing in the first place is going to cost someone more generally speaking yeah especially if you if we for example charge that completely normally yep. yes it would if we charge it like a commercial matter, 100% it would. So, so this is terrible sense of justice. The Fair Work Commission, which caps at about six months, is terrible because it costs you more than what you're going to get. And the jurisdiction is neutral, so you don't, they don't pay your fees either. So if there's a settlement, you might say, give us a couple of weeks extra for that. Mm. But this is why the earlier you settle, the better it is for both parties, because you spend less. So if you settle at conciliation, it doesn't cost you anywhere near as much. You might get about, I don't know, two months worth or a bit more so that pays for your legal fees and a little bit extra as well. Isn't isn't this a broken system if I get truly, un, let's assume mm-hmm. I was truly unfairly dismissed for whatever reason, and I'm only, in the end, only get three months pay in a settlement or a judgment, whatever, but uh, I've had to incur this three months in legal fees. Yeah. So I walk away with a hundred bucks or nothing yeah, or a bill. It is. And this is why it was made for people to be self-represented. Some people are able to do it. Some people aren't. But the problem with being self-represented is the chance of succeeding in conciliation is not very high because the employers generally know it and they've got more power, so they won't settle. So that's your issue. But look, there's a number of times where we have been instructed to come in earlier and that's what happens. We do. So firepower makes a difference. So yes, arguably it is a broken system, but I don't know how you fix it unless you... But this gives weight to the classical leftist protest narrative, the 2000s, like Occupy Wall Street sentiment of the only people profiting from these systems is the privileged or the rich or the lawyers. In this case, the lawyers. So I, I, I was run over by a car a number of years ago. Did a lot of did permanent damage to my... Did a number of damaging things to me and... Uh, got paid out. I don't even know if I'm allowed to. It's, I'm probably not allowed to say, am I? Yeah, I wouldn't go there. Just, just give it. I was a, paid a lot said. of money. Yeah, you know, not a million dollars, but not ten grand either. A lot of money because he, he damaged me permanently. Half, half of it, a third of it went to lawyers. So you would have had a no win, no fee contingency solicitor yeah. who acted in that anyway. And those cost agreements generally mean you end up paying more because there could be an uplift as well because that solicitor is then taking a risk in case you don't win. And they obviously usually, okay. they, yeah, they will do their cost-benefit analysis and see where your case is at. Why do you think we can't do a criminal matter, no win, no fee? Because there's no, number one, you're never going to get best instructions or complete instructions. Even if you do, everything's perfect. Doesn't mean they're going to stand up in court and a magistrate will see it that way. I see. I understand that's the reasoning behind it, but it does overall, at the end of the day, the reality is the lawyers are getting rich. Once they getting rich, but yes, the lawyers are making money out of it. But let's say if there's a if there's a settlement for whatever thing for a hundred thousand dollars, the lawyers mm-hmm. are taking thirty, forty of that if it's on a contingency basis. Mm-hmm. The real winners in all this are the lawyers, my friend. I would haste to look at it that way, but in certain cases, I don't doubt the lawyers overcharge. Uh, there are cases that are completely different, it's genuine. So it also depends. You have injuries that where people get two, three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars, and the fees may only be thirty, forty, fifty years. Well, depends how far oh, that's it right. gets. But are lawyers doing this right now at the at the spectre of these workplace cases? I can tell you I'm not. I don't know about everyone. It's hard to speak for everyone, Matt, because the problem, again, comes down to just as every other profession, there's good and bad. Why aren't you doing this in, in a nice way? Because you're going to make this work. It's just volume of work. 
I am not making multi-millions of bucks out of this no matter what anyone says. And one of the reasons I've been able to do what I did, and don't forget, in 2021, I think it was, there was six months we didn't bill anyone because people just, we didn't. We just started giving free advice to small businesses and yeah, people that called us and stuff like that. Yeah. So I didn't. I was just lucky that I had a supportive person in my life. My partner was in my life. I had my family as well. Whereas if I didn't, I wouldn't be able to do it. Okay. So there's that side of it too. It, we're all running businesses yes. effectively, yes. right? Whether it's us, you, other people. And people's jobs, they make money. We need to make a living as well. You it's do. Just, I'm not having a go at no, you no, guys I understand in taking general, advantage of the system. Taking advantage of the system. Yeah. But that's one of the things that comes out of this is it's not something I genuinely believe in what we're doing. Yeah. This is important because this could happen again. And what scares the shit out of me is that I think this will happen again because we've given so much too soon. And how is the government going to be able to relinquish that much power yeah. when they've got it and they know that they can do this yeah. and just put control your lives how they want to when people aren't going to do anything about it or they'll accept it effectively, which has just happened. There are lawyers that make a lot of money. Look at the big firms. You know how much they charge? In some of the matters we've done, I can give you an example where I can't use the case name, but one of the matters we've done where the government solicitors will be charging $100,000, $200,000. We charge five to 10. So we can't... Oh make that kind of money because we can't bill every in six minute increments. Generally lawyers charge in six minute increments. Yeah, some yeah. do it more, some basically you can have fixed fees and stuff too, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But when you have that and you know your person, your client doesn't have money, we can't draw blood out of a stone yeah. and we've got to be fair. Yeah. Not The bigger firms won't do that. Go because to the their firm. clients are government. They won't, well, you can go to them as an average person. Let's, there's no reason why someone, I won't name the bigger firms, but why one of my clients couldn't go to them. I've had one that did actually, went to one of the bigger law firms. She got charged four or five grand for work that they barely got anywhere. And then they gave her advice saying, after all that, it's a vaccine matter. Would you, we advise you to drop it and just let it be. Wow. So don't take any monetary compensation, but they're willing to give you a resignation so you can move on. And that hadn't even gone to conciliation yet at that point. But there was obviously a lot of, look, their work was there, they've, they've reviewed, there's communication. Yeah. So there was that stuff, but the big firms, no one complains. They complain when it's about the other firms, smaller ones. I went to one of those in Sydney mm. uh, when I had, I was, it was a property law dispute and went to a, a litigating firm and they, they just, they charged me thousands of dollars just to send me a 20 page document, which was a regurgitation of my law textbooks. And that can happen. That can happen. And when you look at it, sometimes commercial law is the most expensive area of law when you have business fighting mm. business because everything's built. The area of law that is probably the least lucrative, and I'm happy about it, but it is criminal law. Mm. That is the least lucrative. And that's why criminal lawyers are considered the poor man's lawyers. <laughs> Unless you're doing ASIC matters and you're doing white collar matters. Employment law is no different over the last couple of years. Mm. It's different if you have a general protections claim like a discrimination matter, which we had a really good result recently for someone. It was a vaccine matter. Discrimination was claimed because basically this person had an exemption for the mask and the vaccine and her boss basically told people about it and started effectively bullying her. So we got a settlement on that very, very quickly, a very good one too. But that, if you look at that, that's, where was I even going with this? Putting that aside, that was a great result and I, we're still finalizing. But with this kind of stuff, you don't make a lot of money out of it. You can't, unless you're doing that commercial. And this is why commercial lawyers have those, they're the ones with the big city offices. They're the ones that have the overlooking the water and whatnot. That's where the money comes from. You're doing government contracts, a lot of money there. They'll just keep, they'll pay. You send the bill, they'll pay. Big companies do exactly the same thing. 
you can't do that to mum and dad. So yeah. there's a big difference. It depends who your clients are. And there are, obviously, we look at who our clients are as well. But all, when, at the end of it, we've got to weigh it all up as well. And I can completely understand why some people think that we're greedy or why lawyers are generally greedy. And I don't doubt for a second there are some that overcharge and overbill and all that kind of stuff. Well, there are some that keep doing GoFundMes, taking advantage of injured people and not producing anything out of the GoFundMes. No, that's not right either. Exactly. That's called grifting. Well, that's true. And in that case, you've got to look at it and go, well, if they actually used it, it went to the cause, they tried, couldn't do it, whatever. But if they keep doing the same thing over and over again, it becomes a bit of an issue. It does become an issue. But then you've got to look at some of these clients that they have, say it's someone who's injured. If they genuinely believe there's a case that is, because that's what it comes down to. If you analyze that particular case, you think there is a case, but this person doesn't have money. You can do it pro bono or you might not be able to afford to. What if you need senior counsel involved because you're up yeah, against the government? Yeah, yeah. We have a matter now. We've got senior counsel. We need to get senior counsel because we're going to have senior counsel on the other side. We already know that. We can't, there's no point sending a fly swatter in against a bazooka. Yeah or sending a fly swatter to a gunfight, unless you have some bloody good skills, you're gonna get pretty much thrashed. Mm. And if the other person has a machine gun and you got a fly swatter, you're basically done. Mm. So you need to look at it that way as well. And if that person can't afford their legal fees and they decide to raise their own money, that's their problem. So yes, law firms raising and them raising, I guess it's two different things. Yeah, I'm thinking about the law firms that are always up there every couple of months raising something. Hey, so let's go to some specifics like your case because you just said you talk about the uh, you have some fears that the government takes advantage of the population and it might happen again and so mm. on. Well, that is the role of your profession needs to do a good job in holding them to account. And it, whether you win or lose, testing it in court is important for us to see Correct. what was what was real. So we need you to to um, yeah do a good job and see. Hey, uh, for example, this case we're talking about now in the Gold Coast. To, I'm really interested to see the result of this because this case. Uh, your your clients actually sent us a video describing what they've been through, which is not against the government mandate, right? We're not talking about government mandates. No, not at all. So, no. Set this, this video up for us. What are we about to watch? Look, I haven't actually seen it. The Ooh. clients made it and sent it, and I haven't seen it because I actually give him the due respect that he deserves. It's his matter ultimately, and that's where it is. But if I'm setting this case up, this bloke worked for Queensland Health. Mm. He was in finance. He wasn't frontline. He wasn't a doctor or a nurse. So automatically, he's one or two steps away from that. This person was never, and I mean, one of the biggest differences in matters we have is some people didn't want to get vaccinated. They went and got vaccinated. They got injured. This bloke wasn't like that. He was happy to get vaccinated. He did the right thing, so to speak, and said, I'll get vaccinated. And he got one. And he got one. And that was deleterious to his health. He suffered a lot from it. Had spinal injuries, basically to the point where there wasn't, there was a number of issues and I'm no doctor. I can only speak of what he tells me and he probably explains it better in his video. He had blue feet. He was, on, he was paralyzed for a period of time and now he's got permanent injuries, some, some kind of arthritis. It's not the standard one. It's one that's caused by the vaccine related injury. So that's permanent. And he's not old enough for that. He's not, he's not young. He's not exactly in his 30s, but with all due respect to him, he's not that old either. Mm. So he shouldn't be having some of these injuries. But there's also just the mental side of it and everything as well. He will never be who he was previously because of these injuries. Okay, and he was fired from Queensland Health. No, so this is where he hasn't been fired, but he was stood. He wasn't allowed to return to work because the case is there. They haven't terminated him. They oh. So they haven't actually terminated him. He is technically still there. He's been told he can come back if he gets his second shot. And that's what this is all about. We're saying he can't get it. 
the guy could, and I'm not, I'm trying not to be dramatic, but in my opinion, the guy could actually die. Yes, but I'm less, I'm less interested in, in your medical opinion or his medical opinion. Have a look at this video. I have watched it. Mm. He talks about the reason why he can't have the second is because of the medical boffins, the doctors, the They're scientific telling him that he people can't do it. don't yeah. do it. Because it's going to, well, not potentially. I think they've been a bit stronger with the wording saying, this will do more damage. Yes. Because the first one has done a lot. This isn't just a sore arm. This isn't just, okay, there was a week's worth of damage. There was a long period of time. So he's being told not to get it. And not just that, he's been given exemptions from it. And this is what Queensland Health is fighting against. What's his name? John. John. Meet John, everyone. This is my story of a nightmare 16 months after taking the COVID vaccine. My name is John Tomlinson and I'm married and I have two children and I work at Gold Coast Hospital for over six years in a permanent full-time position. I very much enjoy my job at a fantastic hospital. As per the Queensland Health Employment Directive 1221, I took the first dose of the Pfizer vaccine at the Gold Coast Hospital Vaccination Hub and a few days later I experienced a severe adverse reaction to the Pfizer vaccine. I had back pain, pain in my arm, pain in my legs and ankles, and my legs turned blue and I was paralysed. During October 2021, I saw an infectious disease manager at Gold Coast Hospital and he recommended I completed and submitted the employee COVID-19 vaccine exemption application form and I was given a three month COVID vaccine exemption. The infectious disease expert also issued me with an Australian COVID-19 vaccine exemption for a period of six months. Gold Coast Hospital wrote to workers' compensation on the 7th of December, 2021, and stated, Mr. Tomlinson medical condition and possible injury are unrelated and predate the event being claimed. This was even though Gold Coast Hospital on the 3rd of November 2021 provided me with an internal three month vaccination exemption. In January 2022, an infectious disease expert wrote to my doctor stating, it seems that the Pfizer vaccine that John had, had some form of additional systematic inflammation. This letter was also given to Gold Coast Hospital. During February 2022, Gold Coast Hospital HR wrote to me saying that they do not issue internal exemptions anymore and I should take the second vaccine as soon as possible or face disciplinary action. This statement in regards to the internal exemption was confirmed to be, to be untrue. In March 2022, Gold Coast Hospital issued me with a show course stating I had not taken the first vaccine, even though they knew I had, I had taken the first vaccine and proof was uploaded in the hospital's vaccine hub and sent to my line manager. In addition, I had an Australian government uh, vaccine exemption. In response to the show, show cause, I tried to meet the mandate. I booked a COVID vaccine appointment to take the Novavax vaccine. I saw a doctor at the practice and explained the situation with Gold Coast Hospital 
and he said, you have an Australian government medical exemption, you're off work with adverse vaccine impact, why is your employer forcing you to take a second vaccine? You should wait. The doctor told me I'm at higher risk of a second vaccine reaction and wrote and agreed to write to my employer stating this. Gold Coast Hospital chose to ignore the med medical advice stating that they don't accept opinions from GPs, even though a GP is allowed to issue an Australian government vaccine exemption. During May 2022, my employment position at Gold Coast Hospital was advertised permanently in Smart Jobs, and in June 2022, an internal applicant was appointed permanently into my job. During July 2022, in response to Gold Coast Hospital questions to an infectious disease expert, he wrote, John should not take another vaccine until he is 100% recovered, as confirmed by his doctor. In another question from Gold Coast Hospital to the vaccine expert, they asked, in your opinion as to whether the benefit of a further dose of a vaccine outweighs the risk or safety to the client or vice versa. The infectious disease expert wrote, there is an increased risk to Mr. Tomlinson for him to receive another COVID vaccine and suffer an adverse event compared to the benefit of preventing severe COVID disease that he would get from a vaccine. The infectious disease expert issued me with an Australian government COVID-19 vaccine exemption for a period of 20 month, 24 months, which expires in July 2024. This was sent to my employer and they have confirmed they have received it, but my employer continued asking me to take another vaccine while I'm recovering from a vaccine injury. In December 22, a consultant wrote I think the consensus from the vaccine experts he has spoken to is that he had a vaccine reaction. Any decision on repeat vaccination should be deferred. I think the vaccination was a reactive arthritis. For 16 months, I am still recovering from the vaccine injury. I will continue daily pain in my body. I have been off sick work since October 2021 and I'm still recovering from the virus of injury. In November 2022, sorry, in November 2021, John Wakefield, Director General of Queensland Health, issued a statement to all Queensland staff. He said, if you have been granted a vaccine exemption or had one dose, you may be able to remain in a workplace where it is safe to do so. If this changes, we will work with you to find alternative arrangements but Gold Coast Hospital chose to ignore this important message. In February 2023, Gold Coast Hospital admitted for the first time that I had an adverse response to the COVID vaccine. In conclusion, Gold Coast Hospital has all my medical vaccine information. Gold Coast Hospital misinformed workers' compensation regarding my injury. <coughs> which has resulted in me losing pay and benefits for 16 months. Gold Coast Hospital wrote to me and told me that the internal exemption was no longer available and that I should take a second vaccine, which was a lie.
Gokoth Hospital issued me with a cell course accusing me of not taking any vaccine, even though I uploaded the vaccine proof into the portal and received email confirmation. <coughs> Gokoth Hospital refused to accept a letter from a GP who administers the vaccine, stating that I should not take a second vaccine because I'm off sick with a vaccine injury. I'm at a higher risk and I have an Australian government exemption certificate. Gokos Hospital continues to ignore the 24 month Australian exemption given to me by a vaccine expert. And for 16 months, I've been coercing me to take a second vaccine. <clears throat> As you would expect, all these lies impact your mental health. As you wonder, what have I done wrong? I followed the mandate and then followed the medical advice provided to me and can continue to follow the medical, continue to have medical tests to establish what happened to me and treatments that are available. But in the meantime, I feel I'm being chased out of employment because of a vaccine injury. This is not a behaviour of a caring health service who would be interested in my medical evidence and my wellbeing, but a hospital who continues to lie and only care cares about enforcing the mandate at all costs to human life. What is going on? John is so compliant. I'll get the first vaccine. I'll even get injured after that, paralyzed temporarily, all sorts of things. And I'll even go and have a second vaccine. I'll do whatever you want. I'll follow the science. I'll follow the advice. I'll upload the proof into the portal. We'll do whatever you want. He's sitting in the clinic and the doctor says, I can't give you this second vaccine, mate. This is dangerous for you. Queensland Health, according to John, is lying about seemingly irrelevant things like the first. Like what, what is going on here? I need to wonder the same thing myself. I can't answer for Queensland Health. Only they can answer for themselves. And I'm sure some of it they'll deny. And some of it they'll say there was a very good reason behind it. There was confusion, misunderstanding, standard stuff, right? That's probably what they're going to come out with. They seem to have a principle and they seem to have a stance. And that's what they're enforcing at all costs. I don't think anyone's actually sat there and reviewed it properly, reviewed his medical history properly, reviewed those exemptions properly, and looked at it and actually said, this is a little bit different. This isn't a standard case. We actually have evidence here. Let's let it be. Because this is a type of matter that shouldn't really even be where it's at because I just, in my opinion, and I forget John's, legally I do think the evidence for John in support of his case is overwhelming. There are specialist doctors, as he said, the infectious disease experts that have spoken about the danger. Who, who is the, so this is not the GP, who's this infectious disease expert that gave him the two-year exam? I can't give the name of okay. the person but it's a it medically is, qualified person correct correct that's that's all legitimate yes this is a doctor still or these are still medically qualified people who but are he, able to he said in, he said vaccine expert is yes. it a, is it a random gp that you're calling a vaccine expert no so there was a gp at the start yes, who did it yes. and then it's been passed on because the gold coast city the yep. hospital wanted further evidence and proof from specialists so it is a specialist. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay, I can sit here and say I can kind of understand why they'd want proof from the expert sure. and not the GP. Sure. But when you get that and you're saying, sorry, that's not good enough, that's a bit different. And let me be clear. John's been given a two-year exemption. I have no word of that. Australian government. No, exemption. so that's from the problem then is Atagi won't recognize the full two years. I could be wrong about that. So, right. But this is that person has written 
a note or an exemption yeah. or basically a report saying that John should not be, for the next two years, he should be exempt. Okay. Which this is the expert we went to yeah. for John or yeah. John's gone to, yeah. diagnosed him after treating him, speaking to him, going through all the medical evidence yeah. and then has come out with a document saying two years. Whether the government acknowledges that or not, it's a different story and the mm. hospital's a different story. Mm. But that has come from a specialist who mm. said that. And from my understanding, that is the longest exemption offered in this realm mm. at all. Mm. So that automatically then tells me this is serious if someone says for two years you've got this. And then the problem is though, they, of course, I can see why his workplace wouldn't acknowledge it because they're going to say, well, two years, that's too long, that's ridiculous, you can't get that. Generally, you get exemptions for six weeks yeah. or a month or yeah. a couple of months, three months, maybe yeah. maybe six months at most, it's two years. But that should be, you could use that to apply for a six-month exemption. And he has legitimate exemptions and had legitimate yeah. exemptions yeah. too. Yeah. This was just a report or this has come up more recently because he's had to go to more and more specialists and go see more and more people about it because of the rigmarole that they've put him through and the hurdles he's had to jump. That has finally come out of it. So that has to be taken seriously and given some weight. And again, I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a doctor. I don't claim to be. But use, working in these matters, seeing matters like this, this is very different from the standard. This isn't someone who's gone there and said, I don't want it, didn't put a sign up saying, I don't consent, inject me, and then said, oh, look, or gone to his workplace and said, I don't want the shots, I, I want to keep working. person went to get the shot. As you said, was compliant. John got vaccinated. He suffered injuries. He's then, he's even looked at getting the second, spoken to his doctor, spoken to specialists, and they've said no. So What now, more could you ask for John? Sorry? What more could anyone ask I don't know. of John? I don't know. And I don't this know is, what they want. I am shocked that this matter has gone as far as it has gone for the reasons that you'll just put out because that's my sentiment as well what more can this guy do this isn't someone who showed any to use the umbrella phrase anti-vax sentiment mm. this is someone who was compliant i think he's a little bit too pro-vax if you just paralyze yourself in dose one and you're lining up for dose two have a long hard think about yourself and you're you're um keeping your body safe mate that's not that wise He's the opposite of anti-vax. I'd say that's right. I'd say that's right. Look, I, in terms of his choices, if he wants to go for a second or third, knock himself out, that's his call. But ultimately, he's got the evidence that says he shouldn't. And that is strong evidence. That's not just some backyard clinic. He's been told to go to specialists. What more, does, what more do they want? I don't know. And one then has to go back to maybe it's just their policy where they've written and gone, we don't care what he says just enforce it yeah but they're contradicting themselves because they had someone from internally come out and say That's to right. all staff if you've had one dose but you can't or won't have the second we'll work with you but not him i guess because he's already in in the system and there's also i guess two ways to look at it that's internal not external it hasn't gone and that that's been said to internally being done there's certain things that are going to be hard to get they'll come out eventually in hearing all this stuff's going to be tried and yeah. tested yeah. and that's where it's important that's why this matter does need to go to hearing so both sides can be tested and it can actually be shown john's telling the truth but i have a feeling your queensland uh was it gold coast hospital queensland health yeah queensland health you, you don't want this to get a hearing and see what you just talked about emails coming out no you want to go to john and say look okay here's your here's your year of wages go away I guess I can only say that I'm surprised that hasn't already happened, but at this point, they've driven him to a point where you can see. Like the, 
he's done this on his own volition. He's wanted to go public. To go on media. Yeah. 15 months, he said nothing. He's just kept going, yeah. hoping that this would resolve. That's, and this is why people ask me, why didn't you tell us about this before? Because it's not up to me. It's up, it's up to, to John. Yeah. John just hit a point where he couldn't keep going with it. And he feels suffocated. He's mentally not doing well, as you've heard from him. And he doesn't understand. I don't understand. So how's he going to be? He doesn't understand why he's been treated a certain way. And this, my friends, is discrimination. This is legitimate discrimination. So the best thing for John is what you just described is probably give him money, uh, you know, give a settlement. But the best thing for the rest of society is for him to go all the way and for us to see all the dirty laundry behind what Queensland Health has been doing. I agree with that being the best thing for society. I don't, at this point, I don't know what's best for John. Either way, he has to decide that for himself when it comes to it. It may not be best for John to settle. It may be best for him to settle. Because when you're at this point where you're playing on principle as well and you know they've wronged you, is it still best? It he has to weigh up these factors and decide for himself. But probably, you're right, I'd say, but he might think differently. And I think the re- him coming out is already telling me a little bit different that he's now actually just good past that point where he now wants to move forward they've and along made, with they've it. They've made a beast. They've made a well, they they've have. fashion they, to whip from their own. From they have. Their... And I don't understand because from their perspective, you would think that, okay, let's just shut this up, settle this, move along. And this is actually, I'd say, off the record, not off the record, so it's not to be recorded, but arguably stronger than some of the matters we've had that have settled. <laughs> I, I suspect you'll be getting a settlement soon, but, you know, we keep making more noise about it. But I hope they offer him something stupid like 20 grand. And so he just goes, forget it, and he keeps fighting. Yeah. If they come and offer him 500 grand or something, you know, this whole thing could just get swept under the rug. And that's the decision he'll make when he gets that figure and looks at it and actually then weighs it up because ultimately he's got there's limited resources for him. He's got a life to live, as he said. Of course. He's got his wife and kids, and who's important, him, his wife and kids. So that's where it is. But if they keep, I guess, if they keep poking the bear and poking this beast, it's not going to help them either, which is why I find that to be an interesting strategy. So whatever, whoever's come up with this policy and decided this is the way we're going to play John, I don't know what they've thought i don't know how what thought process they've gone through and what their cost benefit analysis entailed and what the results were but there must be something that we're missing to get to this point because i am surprised i am genuinely surprised Mm. and that's one upset bitter i wouldn't say angry but he's definitely upset bitter and i think he's had a bad run of this Mm. it's a guy that's been wrong this raises a bigger uh, cohort there's a lot of john's I can't tell you how much I have an unusual pulse on the community uh, bias, sure, but a lot of you know you do as well. We have large social media presences, so we have hundreds of DMs, if not that used to be thousands. Thankfully, it's not anymore. But we have hundreds of people contacting us every week with their stories of whatever or their opinions. It's shifted. It used to be annoyed people who didn't want to get vaxxed or couldn't get vaxxed. Mm-hmm. I'm getting so many stories now, not from them, from people who are like John did get vaxxed, thought it was the right thing to do, regretted it. Uh, some of them, not many are like John, they want to go and get number two or three. Uh, but th- there is a huge number of Australians who have been injured. Flipping Karen Phelps from Sydney, old competitor of mine, medical clinics in, in um, Double Bay. She's out there talking about it. Shannon Ponton from The Biggest Loser is out there talking about it. People are saying, we're injured. What's coming, Samir? What, what, what 
And what is the timelines? Because as this big cohort grow, it, it takes time to come out. But this is something big is, I don't know what's going to happen, but I feel like you can't have all that injury, job losses, um, feeling of betrayal. You can't have all that and it just fizzles out and goes nowhere. It has to have an outlet somewhere. First thing we need to do is legitimize or at least get to the mainstream and the people in general that vaccine injuries exist. The number of them, I don't know. I'm not here to give a quantifying feature of it. I don't have the number, but this is one that I know. And there are many others that contact me. And as I said, you, some of them may be wrong. Some of them may be speculating, but here I've got the medical evidence. I've read it, I've reviewed it, I've seen it. That's number one. That's is, that is shifting and it has been because of the prominent people that have come out and said it and that, that makes a difference and pushes it along. But what does that create? That creates awareness first. That awareness may transition into something. The problem is we still have this indemnity feature because you still have the vaccine injury indemnity. So this What's case- that? That's the government. The government. Against the GPs. Well, not just GPs, anyone that's administering it. So if it's but a vaccine- that doesn't injury, cover the employer. In this case, no, because we're then saying that person's... In like this case, let, let me give you the nuance, and I'll push it on this. Yeah. We're saying this is discrimination because he couldn't get it, can't get it. So he shouldn't be treated like he can. They're treating him like he can. Discrimination, hence that word. But what it does do is two things. It shows there's an injury, shows us discrimination. So there's two players. This isn't a case we've taken, as some people, the first one who raised it, oh, this must be a Supreme Court or High Court case uh, for the vaccine injured and giving them some leeway, giving them a method to get back and get some money. No, that's not what this is. That's still a while away. That's still a while away. I've heard rumors of these cases coming up. I know people that are injured that want to do something. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of those people who want to do something, but we haven't got to that point. That's going to take a couple more years or at least a few more years. Firstly, you need to legitimize that injuries can occur. Then you take a step up. And one of the issues we've had in some cases is when you go too high too soon, run it the wrong way, it can be a problem. For example, when you look at the mandates, one of the methods we looked at was do you try VCAT or NCAT? Try that position first because the specific legislation in both the health acts gave you that permission to start there, then maybe go up. But people wanted to go straight to the Supreme Court and that's where the money was raised and those firms did and it didn't necessarily succeed. But sometimes it's better to try it on the bottom than appeal it and go up the ranks. In this case, if we can legitimize or just show that this is real and this is one of the ramifications of it, maybe those people who are injured might have a case later on. Because at the moment you do have that indemnity you need to quarrel with. But if someone, if we get to doing a proper review of it and see if we can actually potentially there could be a class action against the government at some point because it was mandated. So is the government liable for those injuries and not just a $20,000 indemnity for the payment that they gave you at the levy? Compensation. There might be a lot more coming there and there should be, but we need to start from the bottom. This, in my opinion, is close to starting from the bottom. It may not be, there's potentially other ways to do it as well, but that's what this is. That's a lot higher up. If there was a case for vaccine injured against the government claiming compensation and damages for the injuries they suffered, I think that's still difficult because you still need to prove the vaccine injury first. And a lot of these cases that I hear, the hospitals are still telling them it's not a vaccine injury or it's something as an underlying condition, which to me still doesn't mean it's not a vaccine injury, but yeah. they're arguing that. 
So how many clear-cut cases? And I don't know, I could be, people might write to you after this and say, there's a lot of those, Samir, you're missing the point. There might be, I don't know, I haven't, not everyone who's vaccine injured has contacted me, a few people have, mm. but a number of them that have contacted me and said, look, the hospital says it's not a vaccine injury, but I know it is. Or my doctor said it is, or they've told me orally it is, but in paper they won't, they write, have, it. They won't write it down. I've heard a lot of that. Correct. This is different. We've got it written. In that case, we don't. So you'd need to get it in writing first before you could do anything about it. Then you need a lot of people who have it in writing to move forward. And that's where the timeline then gets expanded because you need to get it in writing, get it in writing, then you can look at whether you'd run a case, get enough people to run a class action. Establish some case law, have a subsequent case. That's right. Build it up. So this is why years is what Precisely. I'm hearing from you and Precisely. other lawyers. Yeah. Yes. Can and you tell me about this man, this uh, indemnity scheme? Look, because indem- I thought GP, that's the point of indemnity. What do you mean? You said quarrel with it. Indemnity, bro. Leave me alone. I injected. I have indemnity. Isn't that how GPs think? For, for the vaccine companies. Not the government. Oh, the vaccine indemnity. Yeah. The okay. vaccine indemnity. But if the government has enforced a mandate, well, obviously the federal government didn't, but the states and yes. territories did, yes. are those states and territories then liable to injuries suffered by people because they had to get it? Now, their argument's going to be the STEM standard argument that was used in New South Wales case. It wasn't necessary. Oh, Could- so they work, sorry, when you say indemnity, it means no one can sue Pfizer or Moderna. Correct. I get that. Sorry. But what, what about the GP indemnities? Look, I, I've heard this, I saw that publication that ran around about the GP indemnities, but the way I see it is this, and this is being very clear, if there is a negligence on behalf of that doctor or practitioner, yes. they may not be, the indemnity may not work, it won't really? work. Potentially, well, if there's negligence, it's different. Say, for example, didn't aspirate the needle properly before they injected something yeah. into someone, that causes an injury. That's not then the vaccine, you've got the negligence to do with aspect. the vaccine so it's there's a link but then that could make the vaccine injury more serious i'm just thinking out loud but that is negligence if a doctor reused a needle twice that causes something that is negligence but these are separate what about actual ne- can negligence be um the vaccine to the vax to giving a vaccine i don't think it can be no and I, I am not of that opinion and i've seen other people that have said it can be and there's been publications about it, I disagree with it. Because of the indemnity that yeah, they were given? basically the indemnity and there's a government mandate on it. So the argument then is, this is where the argument comes down to, because those papers that have come out and the speculation is about something we've spoken about a few years ago, by the way, this isn't new. Going back to the groundwork, what is consent? So if you say, I don't want this, but I have to get it for work, and sit there and put your arm up yeah. and get injected, is that consent or not? Yeah. If you look at, as people have referred to many times, the immunization handbook, it says, no, that's not consent. It has to be full, free, informed. What and does the law tell think? You, well, I think the law thinks that is consent. Uh, coerced for your work, the law would say- It still is consent. consent. Because you rocked up to the clinic. You rocked up to the clinic, you basically had the ability, and this was discussed in the New South Wales case. I don't have the particulars of it at the moment, but if people are interested, they can actually have a look at that. And the specific justice actually went over the consent part because that was one of the arguments there. I not I am not saying I agree with it, but I'm telling you what I believe the law says mm. and what that case says. People would go out 
go in, say, have a piece of paper written, I don't want this, I do not consent, but have their arm there and get injected. And the law would say they that consented is, by I, action. I believe so. So, the, so you've got a whole bunch of people out there who are coerced. The law does not recognize coercion or vaccination in this case. Correct. And that was, this New South Wales case does look into that, yes. Do, do you feel like there, is that, was that always that way? Because we've had vaccinations for a long time, coerced in the sense that my kids, you know, you can't get a child, can't take them to childcare unless they're vaxxed, right? And at the time, my oldest was in childcare. So, did the law ever um, look at it differently, or is I it do. always considered? Yeah. No, no, it was different. We've got to remember then the other feature of the last three years has been the pandemic and the danger to other people and the danger to society. So, the escalation or the exaggeration of how serious this is. Yeah. That has changed consent. So consent basically has changed. Human rights have been abrogated to the last three years. Yeah. Why? Because it was a pandemic apparently. So because it's dangerous, your rights are no longer as important as most of Victoria. Whereas once upon a time, your rights were just as important. That's the point of the Human Rights Charter and Act in my opinion. But now the rights of everyone is more important. So stop whinging, just get it done. So the law's definitional view of consent was different four years ago I than believe its so. view today. I believe so. And I think that's why the handbook, for example, has a definition that doesn't necessarily correlate or it's not the same as what it has been applied over the past couple of years. Yes, I think that has become different. And that's the nature of the environment and what we've been told because the pandemic, it was really dangerous and we're protecting everyone. We had to lock people down. The only way we could get out is being vaccinated because I was going to protect you and your grandma and grandpa and blah, 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 blah. So that was used to change the playing field. And that has happened all across human rights. Human rights law has changed because of that. Again, to be very clear to people, I'm not saying that's what I think is right but I'm looking at how the law is looking at it. And that's what we're playing with. I think human rights are different. I've actually said this to Malcolm Roberts at one point when we were talking and I said inherently, even if this was gonna, my purely personal opinion, some people are gonna hate me for this, even if this was really gonna kill everyone, I still don't think people should have been locked down. Yeah, okay. I still don't think it still should have been a choice and if people wanted to stay home, that's their call. If they want to go out in a hazmat suit, that's their call. But putting all that aside, where the law is at this point, is different. The, all of this leads me to the conclusion that the most likely scenario moving forward is not that they start to respect the Otagi Immunisation Handbook. It's more likely that that handbook is about to get changed. I think that's probably right. Consent is about to be redefined and slippery sloped over the next few years. And consent is different for different things. For sexual intercourse, consent is very different to that's getting a vaccine. Already, yeah. it, it is. In fact, that's getting stronger. That's getting yes. str yeah, consent is even more... The yes, 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 yeah, yeah. So if you change different acts, and obviously do it, like if we, we can speak about that later, but yeah, that's right. You have to say yes every single time. And I mean, how many people? I probably shouldn't go into it, but how many people? Yeah. Every time they change sexual position, say, "Are you okay with this position now?" <laughs> yes, sure, go. Just sign here. Yeah, just just sign here. The PC scan stuff. this QR code. And one of the South Park episodes, I can't forget. I forgot which one it is, but it was brilliant. Just about this: sign the waiver that mm. you're you're consenting as a consent form. And then in this, it's changing. So why? That's a fault of our politicians. Mm. That's a fault of our parliament. I don't, that doesn't accord, that's not, doesn't sit right with me. It doesn't sit right with a lot of people I speak to on either side, by the way. What's going on though? Because politicians do reflect the people broadly. They're meant to reflect the people. Okay. They reflect in the sense that, 
I don't mean that they're ex an exact representation of what we want. I and understand there's, there's ideological corruption, there's probably literal corruption, hmm. I don't know, but there's issues, I get that. Corruption of motive, corruption of job. But they are not dictators running our lives, it's felt that way, but we are voting them in. You're True. sitting in Victoria today, okay? Yep. We vote them in, Mark McGowan, Queensland, we were talking about Anastasia, Jacinda Ardern, Trudeau is probably going to get voted back in. There is a sense of responsibility we must take, even if I didn't vote for Daniel Andrews, but I do need to take responsibility as a Victorian that I live in a state that did vote him back in. Mm. Agreed. So there's a big problem here, my friend. There's a society-wide shift. Maybe they're checking out, which is, I think, more the case in Victoria, the high donkey vote, high informal vote. Um, there are some Dan lovers, but there's a very close number of liberal lovers as well. It was 37% versus 32% coalition versus um, Labor primary vote. So it was similar. But overall, there is like a checking out around the world. People mm -hmm. are allowing a slip in our old deontological values, our old sense of human rights, our own Lockean principles of freedom and liberty. And this is, this is uh, way bigger than this discussion. Completely, completely. And that then goes to the underlying issues in society as well, right? It's not just this topic. There's a number of issues. And is Parliament working for us? Is it working the right way? I am starting to believe that in certain issues, Parliament does reflect what their voters want or the, the members do. On other issues, they don't. And if they personally believe one way, I think they generally probably go more with their personal views if it mm. doesn't accord with their particular constituent. But then again, you also have to look at their party ties and what their party wants. If you're in a Labour Party, you're generally going to vote for what Labour wants. It's very few who are actually able to be independent. And they can't be because of the party they're in. Mm. This is why I have espoused, I think there's value to having coalitions to hold people accountable. Because if you have smaller members in who are actually genuinely independent, questions are asked. And that's the first step to changing anything anyway. We're not going to get wholesale change. We're not going to get a third party come in and just take over Labor or Liberal. We're too traditionalist in that point and conservative. And by conservative, I mean stuck in our way with the way we generally do things. So we would need that coalition-style argument where people would then at least question what's going on. There are some checks and balances and then potentially shift from there. There's counter arguments to that too, and I'm fully aware of that. But I also think we're probably we probably have too much government in Australia for the amount of people we have too. Mm. Not everyone agrees with that, but I do. I, I mean, I obviously do. It's my view. But councils, and you have state state elections, and you have the federal as well. We're a big country, but we're not that many people. It's not exactly necessary to have the bureaucracy at the level that it is, and I think that's adding to some of our issues, and also why the last two or three years went the way it did. I personally like more, not government, but more jurisdictions mm. like Tim Coulty's Brexit so that they can, like in the US, they can war and we can have alternatives. Federalism. Yeah. yeah. At the moment, it's one big nat cab pile of steaming garbage. What do we do? Final question. What do we, well, topic. What do we do about the, um, sorry for the pejoratives, but the anti-vaxxers and the cookers? What I mean by that is not necessarily that I'm sitting here calling people anti-vaxxers and cookers. I mean... You know, I can be vaccinating myself and my kids yesterday and tomorrow be called an anti-vaxxer. It's ridiculous at this point. 
What I'm saying is there is an appetite in Australian society to look at anyone who's outside the normal mainstream of opinion and say you're an anti-vaxxer or a cooker. So even though, like this guy, people will label him an anti-vaxxer. In fact, there's a headline that I think you posted on your Instagram this morning, uh, Mother Jones article saying, oh, um, right-wingers have a new conspiracy theory called natural immunity and it's dangerous. Like, you know, long-established principles of science. So, so what do we do with some of the crazier elements of the Freedom Brigade, the people running anti-mandate cases or jab injury cases who are out there who are a little bit... Uh, flamboyant, more, more flamboyant in the way they present things and they their are, use potentially. That's yeah. true. But even the actual arguments, you know, whether we don't need to go into like the sovereign citizen movement or anything like this or, or the Queen's not real, your government doesn't exist, um, Trump's still president. If you take the vaccine, there's um, nanochips so you'll levitate at night. Um, you know, come on. This is not doing the cause any good. The cause, I mean, holding governments to account. And governments are getting away with garbage mm -hmm. because some people are polluting the hold them account side and all the people in the middle, which is 80% of Australia, are going, am I going to believe the cookers who believe Bill Gates is under my bed? Mm -hmm. uh, even though Bill Gates is doing a lot of evil things, he's not under my bed. Um, or am I going to believe the experts, Dr. Carl, um, uh, what's his name on the Today Show? Carl Stefanovic, Ali Langdon, you know. This, I didn't even know the term cooker till a couple of weeks ago. It's when, a meth term. Uh, <laughs> that's what I thought it was. It I is. didn't realize it, was, it mm. was used for this. So the definitions changed dramatically and very mm. drastically and very quickly. But anti-vax, obviously, I've heard multiple mm. times. I think I've been called it several times myself. And... Mm. The irony behind it is it's hypocritical. It doesn't actually make any sense. And a lot of people, there are people who chose to get vaccinated, if you want to say they chose, and just said, well, but it should be a choice. Everyone should have a choice. And they were anti-vaxxer. Correct. <laughs> or anti-mandate makes you anti-vaxxer. And I'm 100% anti-mandate. Always will be. Mm. But I didn't tell anyone you should or shouldn't do it. Mm. That's totally on you. And nor is it my right to tell anyone to not do it. But there are people who do. They're just like we spoke about before, bad lawyers, good lawyers. There are people on both sides, extremes on both sides. And whether this is religion, whether this is politics, whether this is a particular position, and this is kind of politics and a position mixed up into a few different things, but there are going to be people on both sides. There's the hardcore, 100% government-loving pro-people who will also just say, all everyone should have just been tied up and you had you should have given them a week to get vaccinated and that was it and don't give them any excuses send them to jail if they don't they exist too they do we just don't hear about them as much not many oh i think there's a few okay. look by number i think there's a few it's just they're probably less likely to speak and they're not going to get criticized as much as the people here don't yeah, forget why, well they get like. criticized more that other the the so-called cookers and anti-vaxxers correct they get the light shone on them and the thing is a lot of these people are probably sitting in the middle and might have tendencies or inclinations to go a certain way at points, mm. they get slammed as well because of that. There are people who are sitting on this side who I will not agree with everything they say. But my position is everyone's allowed to have an opinion. Like, quite frankly, I don't even, and this is going to be a little bit controversial, hope you don't mind, but for me, I don't even... Censored. Maybe. If people, there are people who are genuinely racist in this country mm. who still don't want people like myself here and immigrants here. Mm. You'll feel free to have your opinion. I don't mm. even care if you tell me. Mm. I don't. Because mm. in the end, you are what legitimizes me being here in the first place. Okay. So we need both sides of the spectrum and it brings out balance. 
That's how I view it. That's my personal opinion. Not everyone's going to agree. And I don't always like censoring. In fact, I don't like censoring. So if these people don't want people like me here. Fine. That's okay. There's people like me who are good. People like me who are bad. Just like every white Australian walking mm. around. There's good and bad of everyone. And there are a lot of people who don't think white Australia should be the way it was either. So, you know, there's opinions everywhere. There's not many good whites, to be honest, though, is there? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm... I'm being silly, of course, for those listening, there's a smirk on my face. But uh, I could sit here and be very, very racist like that. White people are terrible, white mm. people. Because I'm yellow and you're brown, mm-hmm. so to speak, Asian and, and um, Indian. Uh, we get away with it. We're allowed to be racist. Yes, and What's we've that? had this discussion before. And that also is a problem as well, isn't it? If someone can't say, I'm brown, you're yellow, whatever the case may be. I'm mean, It was okay when I said it, but not when you called you, me yellow. yellow. I know that's different. Then it is different, but I can say this white person or white, like white person there, we, are, we do get a little bit sensitive with that kind of stuff. Mm. And what we need to realize is if you let these people who are so far beyond that point who just think brown people are lesser or yellow people are lesser than mm. white people, mm. you know what's already wrong because you look at scientists, you look at doctors, you look at people that have created society the way it is. There are billionaires of all different colors and of persuasions. There are scientists of all different colors and persuasions. If one was really better than the other, why are they all doing it? Why are they all the same in that in that perspective? Mm. There's smart black people, there's rich black people, there's, there's black people who don't have money. And mm. it's the same with brown people and white people for that matter. Let them talk. Let them have their shit. You just mm. let it be. I disagree. Completely do. But if they want to say it, it legitimizes my position because... I'm trying to actually affect change here and do the right thing by society. And that is what is going to get me through. So I don't mind that. And I think this is the same, that should apply here as well on both sides. So even if they think you should be tied up and automatically, you know, just shot in the arm and you shouldn't have Mm. a choice about it at all. Sound like George Clooney. Yeah, go on. Go for it. Mm. The problem is the light's being shone on one end of the spectrum heavily and they're the ones that are seen. And I, look, some of them, I think, I believe there's still some protests every now and again in Melbourne. Very small. Very small, but they still go on. And as much as I have a respect for these people, because I know what they were doing at one point, at, there are some of them that are going, going, well, common law, you shouldn't be, they see people with masks and go, why are you doing that? If they want to wear masks, let them wear masks. We should, we need to focus on this middle spectrum. That's, that's where 80%. The, that's where we're going to win it. Not on the fringes, it's in the middle. And you're right, it is 80%. But then out of that 80%, there's still different yeah, of course, opinions, of course, right? Of course. But you look at out of that 80%, if we say 40% is still closer, further towards this side yeah. here, yeah. they're going to get scared to side with the middle because they don't want to be tarnished because yes. of these guys. That's right. And this is my point. I so think the binary is, mm. is slightly different than what you've presented in that you've got the you've got the so-called anti-vaxxers and cookers crazies on one side, and you've got the so-called crazies on the other side, which you described as round them all up and shoot them, whatever. Um, I don't think that is really what it is. I think it's more pro- on this side is more like a sleepy government wouldn't trick us. Why would the government trick us? There no, is a yeah. sense of just go along with the flow. They're not militant. They're not out on the streets protesting wear your masks. No, no, right? they're not. Yeah. So they're different. It's, it's not a pure reflection of the other side. So my concern is the 80% in the middle. It's safe for them, safer for them to side with the pro-government, trust the science, even if the science contradicts itself day by day, who cares? It's safer to go with that than to even countenance 100% it is side. safer to go with that. It is, but... Those people, as you just raised, they are there. They may not be protesting. They're online. 
they're online saying people should be round up and vaccinated or these people shouldn't be allowed to work and shot. I've seen it. Mm. I've been messaged by a couple of these people on the odd occasion. Mm. I find it hilarious. It's actually funny to read some of that stuff. So they do exist. But yes, they don't need to bring light to themselves because of this and because what mainstream did for them. So think about it that way. If they got targeted, it might be a little bit different. We may see more of them. We may hear more about them, but they don't need to. There's a difference in need. This, if you stood with any a position against mandates at all, you were hammered, regardless. So you automatically faced the criticism. Cooker, of yeah. Cooker, yeah. But what do you do? You basically, and this is why my position was, you need to take that probably lightest approach, which is it should simply be a choice. That's what we need to do. We need to look at the human rights behind it and just try and get the real perspective out. And some people did try that and it didn't work. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Yeah. But we didn't have the force to be able to get that out, unfortunately, because a lot of people stayed silent. If more people spoke up, I don't think we would have had the same issue. If 60, 70% of Australia said something, yeah, we wouldn't have had an issue. But yeah. 30, 40% out of the 60 who might have thought that decided not to say anything because it's easier not to. Because they saw on the TV that you're going to be a nut, you're going to get called a nut job if it was. When in time, or when in the last 20 years, was it wrong to actually say, "Hey, this we should be able to have a choice on this"? That's what we were meant to be working towards. It's it, a tr it's a trick, though. They 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 is. kind of make you think everyone believes one way when it's not true. It's like everyone in Victoria at the moment saying. Uh, everyone loves Dan and it was another Dan slide. His primary vote was similar to the coalition. It was stronger. He won the election. Mm. Well done, Dan. Now we've got that out of the way. His, his popularity was similar to Matthew, Matthew Guy, who failed spectacularly. It was a 31, 36% primary vote. And so they try and tell a lie to you that everyone you meet on the street, nine out of 10, love Daniel Andrews. It's not. It's 3.1, love, uh, hate, uh, loved Matthew Guy. Three points voted for Matthew Guy. 3.6, 3.7 voted for Dan. And the rest voted for someone else. So the same thing here, they try and tell me that, you know, they've poisoned the well of language too. Mm -hmm. My first kid got, got a vaccinated, right? Second kid is coming up in, in those ages. So people have said to me, oh, are you, you going to get her vaccinated with the schedule as well? And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll read up on what the government on the, and the farmer say to do to her. And then I'll also um, do some of my own research because I'm a bit more suspicious this time around and make sure, do I want to give this to her or yeah. not? But then as soon as I said, I'll do some of my own research as well. Oh, ooh. because that's the language. Oh, you do my own research because you're a cooker. Correct. So that has now been demonized because can't you research. can't research. Anymore. Literally, they're telling me to shut the brain down. When you used to see articles and basically you'd see media and you'd tell people you need to look into that because there's a second side to it. Have a, Go behind it. Don't just believe what you're seeing. In this case, shut up shop. Don't do it. The complete opposite but it's worked because people have been intimidated or scared into actually thinking it and there's nothing wrong with you doing your own research you're doing your own research you're just reading potentially and reading about some of the benefits and stuff and why it should be done when it should be done it could be as simple as going online going to the vaccine register or the immunology stuff and just going oh these are that's allowed get it. if i said i'm doing my own research they'll go <gasps> cooker by reading the otagi website oh that's okay but then after that i'm going to read robert malone's blog <gasps> But then I'll make sure I check out Dr. Carl and oh, okay. No, I, I, I think it's, you'll still be criticised as soon as you said Robin Malone. But yeah, <laughs> yeah I, think I, I think you're done there. But see, the thing is... This is not consistent. No, it's not. And that's been demonised because in their head or these people or whatever it may be, that particular phrase 
has been completely ostracized and it's been hung out to dry. So it's a problem. There's nothing wrong with doing your own research. You should do your own research. We have clients do it all the time. They're not always right. They might look at the wrong cases, the wrong features. That's the point. Mm. Do your own research, but recognize you're not a lawyer. Do your own research and recognize that you're not a medical professional expert in vaccinology. Right. There's nothing wrong with going in. Anyway, to wrap up this interview, I want to finish it with race because it's fun. And yeah. We already started it. You know when you called me yellow earlier with your racial epithet, which I want to sue you for. Can you represent me? Uh, suing yourself. Um, when I go to the makeup store to get mm. some more um, tinted moisturizer, you have to choose a different base. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you wear any tinted moisturizer, but I do, right? Uh, you either have a blue base, red base. I think it's blue base. Yeah, my wife is blue base. Or people like me. You know what color they say my skin is based? Yellow. No. Interesting. Like I- literally, they say your base, your skin has a yellow base to it. They, they don't go to the next step and say it's because you have Asian heritage. But they say. But it's a biological cool. thing. There you go. It's not even just you're a yellow Asian. It's real. My skin is a yellow base. Yeah, I have worn makeup previously for disclosure because I have done previous modeling shoots and stuff. I've done that previously in a few years ago. I haven't done it for some time. Mm. So, but I have, I thought it was a pink base, not a blue. Oh, sorry, pink and yellow. Pink, pink and yeah, yellow, pink not blue. So pink and my yellow. base was pink. And I think there is another one, obviously, for really dark skin individuals. Maybe and that's the blue one. Maybe that's Black the blue skin. one. I don't know, because I haven't, obviously I'm, I'm darker, but I'm not at that point yet, I don't think. Yeah. But so there, yeah, my base would be pink, so yeah. I do know a bit about that and that makes sense because ultimately they're looking at what your skin tone is underneath yeah. and then working off that. So if it's a lighter yellowish tone, then that makes sense. Whereas mine obviously isn't, it's a browner tone. So I'll look at it that way. But this is also when it comes to identification. There's a, there are problems with it too because there's inherent bias in there, Matt, and that's what we, we can't move away from that because both of us have faced racism before, like real racism as well, not just trivial stuff. And if you look at people that are, say, a driving incident, right? If you see that Asian driver, that fucking Asian Asians driver. Asians can't drive. Asians can't drive all this. Then if it's, if my dad's driving, my dad wears a turban, people are going to remember him, especially in Camden, if something happens because a fucking Indian guy can't, Indians can't drive and that turban's going to be signified. Johnny Smith is driving and does something. Fucking idiot. <laughs> all over Fuck like this. him. And yeah. that's it. They forget about it. <laughs> but we yeah. won't be forgotten about. So that's where the bias comes in too. So one, I'd love to see a study on a randomized study on different you know, drivers of different cultural heritages and genders and stuff as well, and just get that done. So we can well, you bring women to it, and they can't Let's drive get women at all. To what are you as well. about? They can't park, can't but drive. But I think they're they better than Asians and Indians, though, aren't they, white women? <laughs> I don't know what this is What's going. the hierarchy what is the, I don't know. racism? Hey, uh, we should finish on, I said I was going to finish on racism, but let's finish on food, because I yeah. like food. I've just started to, so if you're wanting more um, talk about uh, legal cases and so on, there's none left in this podcast. It's going to be about food. Uh, today, my guest was um, Samir Bunga from Bunga Legal, who is uh, fo- worth following, I'd say. So um, all of the links to your socials are below. So Instagram, soon to be on Twitter. What else are you on? Uh, look, Instagram's your main. Instagram's a main, and I'm still learning social media. Instagram's just what I've been using for the last couple of years. Yeah. Twitter, we're trying to build up now mm. tiktok we've made a little dabble in it but i don't think we're gonna it's not my main instagram is the main it'll be and hopefully twitter will expand a bit more and but, if people want to contact your firm to have you represent them in something or to get legal advice they go to bungalegal.com.au com.au but stay now to talk about food so you're an indian man i'm a chinese man chinese food's not the greatest but you know what i've been doing lately cooking i'm mm-hmm. discovering uh 
Indian spices. Mate, you guys are professional. My goodness. So I've discovered garam masala and I'm learning to make biryani and all this. So Brilliant. how do you balance? Is that is it about the balance of the spices? I'm just learning to it use is. them in curries and stuff and I'm cooking with goat and things. It's so much different from the normal garlic, the normal Aussie spices. So, well, I mean, garlic and ginger is used a lot in Indian cooking, mm. but then tomato, onion, a lot of the bases will have tomato, onion, and then the spices. Garam masala is a mix of a few different mm. spices, coriander powder, cumin powder, and- A bit weird ones, like more like the things we don't, cumin's quite common, but like um, star anise and um, clove. And, and there's some other ones in there I don't understand. So it, there are also variants or variants because of the different regions in India. Some garam masala will have certain things. Oh. Some people will skip certain things. Cloves, for example, should be most, but there will probably be regions in India that won't have it. But garam masala is like a base. It's a mixed. So garam masala is open to interpretation. Can be. 100% it can be. 100%. What is that? My dad's garam masala and what I've grown up in, what I learned to make is different from some of the stuff you'll get at the shops. And even some of the stuff you get at shops, you'll see the color difference. There's lighter stuff. Yeah. Some will have a bigger emphasis on coriander powder instead of cumin or... They'll have more bay leaves and whatnot in there or curry leaves in there. Some people don't put curry leaves in there at all. So yes, the balance can be different. So the type of garam masala can change the flavor as well. But when it comes to cooking, that is the key, the balance. Because when you change the ratio of coriander to cumin, for example, so some I don't use garam masala often unless I'm being lazy. I will use coriander cumin and just put- Oh, you do it masala. manually? I do it manually. But I, if I, I use a premixed powder, right mm -hmm. from the indian grocer so it's mm -hmm. it doesn't have any other fillers or any it's pure no no it's still pure yeah yeah but so that's balanced in itself but the balance i don't understand i'm just new to it so i just put in heaps and i smell it maybe taste it and we're like no i want more i'm not sure how to balance the amount of mix but see that comes down to one individual variation anyway like you're doing but two what you're cooking so if you're cooking chicken it could be different to goat because if you're using the garam masala, you might need more. In fact, I'd say you're going to need more for the goat than you will for the chicken. Really? Because chicken's lighter. Oh, right. But does it matter? As, as I, this is the thing. As you add too much coriander or too much chili, it changes the balance. Like there's too much salt, too much chili. With the garam masala powder, the more I add, the tastier it gets. There is a limit. If you go too far, it becomes very strong. It becomes stale and when you cook it more. Because the other thing with garam masala, I'm assuming there's different people at it at different times. I cook the garlic and ginger and look i do change it up but this is one of the ways to do it cook the garlic and ginger then i may have some of the onion but then i will cook the garam masala in the oil a little bit or in whatever i'm using fat ghee. or ghee or whatever right. the case may be yeah i'll cook that a bit in there to texturize it as well yeah. then i will put the meat in or other things in there whereas sometimes you can put the garam masala in afterwards which is you do the base, put the meat in, then put the garam masala on and add some water and start cooking too. Yeah. So that keeps, that changes the flavor profile too. Mm -hmm. And in that case, if you do it the way I do it, then you'll need less garam masala because it's kind of matures it, so to speak. That's just my word that I'll Because use. you've cooked it cooked off. Cooked it a bit, yeah, correct. And then what we do, so what my dad does is when he puts the garam masala different things together, quickest way is to microwave, but you can actually just do it on the stove like we did at the restaurant yeah. and cook it raw then grind it down to the powder. Which oh, is you cook the whole too. seed pods and yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. And then to grind it, you have to dry it out? Well, it's already dry, basically. It's, it's fine to oh, do. Oh, it's a dry fry. Yeah, dry, dry fry or oh. very little oil, not enough to, yeah. you're not soaking it. It's very, very little. And then more to pestle it. Correct. That'll change the flavor profile quite a lot. Totally, because then it's mature. 
but some people don't like that and would use the raw. Yeah. I generally prefer the cooked and then I'll cook it again in oil or whatever it is. But if you get the stuff from the shops, I'm not 100% sure if they cook it first or not. I don't think it they It smells do. raw. Yeah, I think it's probably more raw. Okay, what about liquids? So how, what liquids, when I buy a curry from mm -hmm. a, not from a food court, from a proper, there's an amazing one called Fatima's in um, Casey Central down south, where, east of Melbourne. What are those suburbs called? Hallam and Dandenong. Hey, what, what do you add for liquid? Is it always coconut cream? No, no, no. So, and this is more variance by different regions. Coconut is more Southern Indian than Northern Indian. So if you see Southern Indian food like dosas and whatnot, it comes with coconut chutney or they use a lot more coconut in their curries. We love, I love it personally. And don't get me wrong, it's like North Indians don't eat it, but we don't use coconut as much. That's South Indian. Northern Indians, it's more the base. Sometimes it's just water. Sometimes just it could be water. tomato, but don't forget tomato releases water. Of course. So you get water but from But there's the, no cream. Can be, can be cream or- Cream like, will separate, won't it? Depends when you put it in. Stir it in at the end. Depends when you put it. Correct. But, but you need enough liquid or to tenderize the meat. So that's just, you just use water. Yeah, water. So you but just, you have enough spice yeah. that the water doesn't drain it out. Because if you don't have enough, that's where your balance yeah. can be thrown off. Because then the water makes it bland if there's not enough spice. So you've got your, you've got your fat or oil at some point to start it all off. But then you put enough water just to cover the meat. Not too much, right? Yeah. So there is water still the base there. You can use yogurt or cream. I don't mind it separating. So sometimes I will add yogurt right at the start because yeah. it does separate, but yeah. the flavor's great. Do you make biryani? Yes. I need you to um, teach me how to do that really well. That, it's, no. That's amazing. Okay. Thank you for joining us. Uh, is there anything else you want to say? No, I think no. we're good. Yeah. All right. So we've plugged you. We've plugged us. Support us at locals.com if you like seeing more of this. More people have their longer we'll do this for. Have a lovely week. Good luck with your cases. Good luck to John. Uh, that is ridiculous case. I fear he'll get a good settlement offer, but I suppose that's good for him. Good luck, yeah. John. And good luck to all of you trying to make sense of everything in this crazy world of ours. Good night. Mm -hmm.